The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. What if you were told you may not wake up tomorrow morning? Julie Manning was diagnosed with active heart failure and lives at risk of sudden cardiac death. I mean, I went through a real dark season of depression and sadness and darkness um, because I lived um, believing the what ifs. What if I collapse in front of my two boys? Are they old enough to dial 911? You know, what if this is the last time I kiss my husband goodbye when he goes off to work? Thank all of you who are here, and thank you for welcoming us into your home. I'm James Robinson. Betty, we've got a book titled My Heart. It has a heart rhythm. And uh, uh, recently, Betty had a, a, a bad fall, and we had the heart monitor on, and every now and then it would do something a little different. Boy, I would call them <laughs> and say, what is that? And they were talking about when you have a, a concussion, which Betty got a concussion, that sometimes things get irregular. Our guest, Julie Manning, has a situation with her heart uh, that you might say is almost beyond merely irregular. And uh, she never imagined it. And uh, she was pretty well aware of what goes on uh, medically. And, and then suddenly something she became aware of that she had no idea about. It uh, changed everything. And she's written a book, My Heart. And she's talking about her physical heart, but she's actually talking far beyond that. She's talking about our spiritual heart, our body, mind, and spirit, mind, will, emotion, the total being, and uh, what's going on there. I think her story is remarkable. I think you're going to be inspired and lifted up, and I think the book would be such a source of inspiration. Would you welcome Julie to life today? Julie, glad to see you. Well, we're glad you're here and you story. And the journey you've been on is so amazing that you had to put it in a book because there's just so so much there. You, you called it My Heart. You've got the uh, little heart uh, rhythm uh, design there on the cover. Mm -hmm. Tell us what happened for you to pick such a title and exactly how were you impacted and in what way? Well, I had a cesarean section to deliver my second son and while I was in the surgery in the operating room, I looked over, because I wasn't feeling very well, so I looked over at that cardiac monitor, mm -hmm. what Miss Betty was attached to, and I looked over and my heart rhythm was in a very serious heart rhythm, um, one for which that if it didn't spontaneously come out of, they might need to start CPR on me. How did you know me. that? How did you recognize that? Well, I had spent the previous seven years working in a cardiac ICU mm -hmm. as a nurse. And so Good it was fun, second man. nature to just take a look at the vital signs and everything that was going on when I wasn't feeling well. So you'd seen it in critical situations that alarmed, mm -hmm. never expecting you were going to see it right here when Correct. you're giving birth to your second child. Mm -hmm. And you knew it was trouble, right? I did know it was trouble. I did. Um, but thankfully, you know, Hunter was safely delivered and they did some cardiac testing that day and everything looked normal. 
And so we got to go home after a couple days from the hospital and learn what it was like to become a family of four. And um, the cardiologist at that time, at the time of Hunter's birth said, you know what, let me just see you in six weeks just to make sure everything was okay. And so John and I went to that appointment and found out that day that my heart was failing. And so out of the blue, my heart muscle just wasn't squeezing well at all. And Could she, you feed it physically too? Did you, could you, you know, know, not really, not at that time. I had had a couple of symptoms, shortness of breath, some dizziness, but all of those things I kind of chalked up to while I was out of shape because I was pregnant. Do you think this is, did they say this is something that just developed recently mm -hmm. or something that was in your, I mean, happening all growing up? Um, they believe that the heart failure had just somewhat developed. Mm -hmm. yes. The recent development. The recent development. And it was manifested when you saw it. Mm -hmm. All right, so now give us a little bit of the journey. What happened and where did it take you? Well, when you are an overachiever like myself and a caretaker, you know, mm -hmm. working as an ICU nurse, staring at two little boys who one was six weeks old, one was 20 months old at the time. This just really, you know, took the wind out of me and knocked me off my feet. And here I was, the caretaker, and now I was going to have to rely on someone else to take care of me. And, you know, through the process of being diagnosed with a heart failure, I was also um, found to be at risk for a sudden cardiac death. And so, they had to put a defibrillator in my chest as well in that same time frame. And so there was, I remember, you know, coming out of a procedure and waking up with burn marks on my chest. And that was the day it really hit me mm -hmm. that, no, my life is a, a brief second. You know, it's, it's true what scripture says. Life is, is brief this side of heaven. And in fact, we weren't just made for this world. We were made for our eternal home. And so it was quite the journey. I mean, I went through a real dark season of depression and sadness and darkness um, because I lived um, believing the what ifs. What if, you know, I collapse in front of my two boys? Are they old enough to dial 911? You know, what if this is the last time I kiss my husband goodbye when he goes off to work? And so I spent many months just in this dark place of not trusting God, believing he existed, believing that he is a good father, but at the same time going, I don't like this and I feel very out of control and I feel like I'm in a dark place and I don't really want to open up my Bible. Um, and so it was just a, a really, a really dark season um, during those first initial months. So where did you end up? I mean, as far as the journey, because it's inspired you to write a book. Now, I think they probably told you you couldn't have another child. Correct. Would likely cost your life for sure. So what did you do in relationship to family? Because I think you had wanted more children. Well, I will say before I talk about that, I want to say that um, God pursued me in the darkness to pull me out mm -hmm. into the light. It wasn't me pursuing after him. It was him pursuing after me in the midst of our suffering. And so the Lord really used our local church body, our community. When I didn't want to open up the Bible on my nightstand, they were sending me scriptures in my email. They were writing me notes of how they were praying. And God's word was pursuing after me in the midst of the darkness when I didn't want to pursue after God's word. 
And so the more God's word pursues after us and the more we start to believe God's word is truth and that truth replaces our thoughts of the bad what ifs, the darkness lifted and I came into the light. So so important for Christians to sow seeds, Mm -hmm. meaningful seeds and the word of God is meaningful seed. Yes. So what they were doing with their prayers, they were actually sowing the word and mm-hmm. it was taking root, correct? Yes, sir. So we need to emphasize, and I'm sure you do very thoroughly in the book, the importance of sowing those seeds continually mm-hmm. and praying for people. So already it's taking root while you're going yes. through the process. Yes. All right, what, what happened? Well, um, the Lord started to use some medications um, and started helping to restore some of my heart function, not all of it, but at least to a point where I wouldn't need a heart transplant. So we were very thankful for that. Um, But spiritually, he got me to this place of just trusting him with my life, Um, knowing that he has numbered my days from the beginning of time, just like he's numbered Mm -hmm. your days. You know, all of my life's no different than anyone else's. You know, God has you know, put us on this earth for an ordained amount of time. And we're supposed to live in this time, in this place, you know, with vulnerability and with intentionality and with urgency for the gospel. And so as I was coming out of this season of darkness and believing God's truth over my life, um, there was still that yearning to grow our family, you know, as a mommy, and I just love, love my little boys. And I became sad when that time would have come around for us to try to start having more children biologically. Um, And the Lord said, you know what? Hold off. I've got a better plan than you could have thought it out. And the Lord really blessed us through the adoption of our baby boy, Joshua. (laughs) So how did that come about? So we've got three little boys now Mm -hmm. and they're loud and smelly. (laughs) (laughs) But they're fun. How old are they all? Yeah. The younger one, the third one, was a real miracle too. When he, he coming into this he world. was a real miracle baby. I mean, when you have been told that you're at risk to die suddenly, not very many adoption agencies were excited to take <laughs> us on as a family. We'll just put it that way. Um, but through the sharing of our story by a friend, there was this sweet woman in Houston, Texas, who was a God-fearing woman. And she called us and said, Julie, I just have this sense from the Holy Spirit that I'm supposed to put a baby in your family. And so in a miraculous way, the Lord opened up this sweet adoption counselor um, to find a baby boy to bring into our household. Hmm. And we had a very similar thing happen for us when Betty couldn't have another child. (laughs) We were told most certainly in, in travail and prayer. Uh, Betty birthed uh, our adopted son, Randy. And uh, then three years later, <laughs> we had a miracle baby. <laughs> and she lived it as a, as a miracle. Now, you went, uh, because your heart's very tender and you're very sensitive, you went to uh, Haiti to assist and something happened over there that made a, a very profound impact on you. Tell us about that. I did. So there was an earthquake in Haiti. Obviously, people right. are going to remember that. And... There's just, I just have this instinct, like if something happens, I just have to go help. And I just, you know, I had the news on that 
one afternoon and I saw the earthquake happen and John came home from work and I'm like, John, I'm getting on the next airplane out and we're going to go help in Haiti. And he's like, can you just calm down here for a second? Because, you know, your heart's not well and we've got two boys here and what am I going to do without you for a week and will you ever come home? You know, he, and so, um, so I didn't go immediately. I went about six weeks after the earthquake happened. And I had the real blessing of serving the people um, of Haiti down in some hospital wards, the people that were still recovering. Um, But while we were down there, some of the students, teenage students from the orphanage would come and help translate for us in the afternoons after school. And I developed this really sweet friendship with this little boy, and I say little boy, this preteen boy named John Mark at the time. And he loved Jesus. And one afternoon I said, Jean-Marc, tell me your story. He goes, well, Miss Julie, he goes, my dad left my mom and my mom raised me and she did everything she could do to help raise me. But then my mama got sick. And when I was a young boy, she died and God brought me to this orphanage. And this is where I've spent, you know, most of my life, you know, and he was old enough to remember his mom. He was, I don't know how old he was when his mommy passed, but he had memories of his mama. And, and so I just, the whole week, we would just banter back and forth. We were teaching him slang language. We were, you know, having a good old time with John Mark. Well, one afternoon he comes in after school and he's got his earbuds in his ears and he is just singing praise music out loud and it's a squeaky voice right because he's like 12 years old 13 years old and he's got the voice changes and I just sat him walk and just watched him walk in and I just got overwhelmed with this sensation because I was believing a lot of lies I was believing a lot of lies at the time though still trying to cling to God's word and it overcome, it overcome me, and I felt as if the Lord was saying, Hey, Julie, you see that teen boy over there? He loves me. And you know what? Julie, I don't need you around for me to cause your boys to love me mm. and worship me. Because that's one of my fears is that I'll go and my kids won't know who I am, or I will not get to see them come to saving faith. Um, and I just love him so much. And as a mommy, you just want to watch your kids grow up. Um, but that moment was very, a very big moment of surrender for me, trusting my boys to the hand of God who loves them more than I could ever love them. Boy. And it gave you a flood of peace. Yes, absolutely. Your kids are in good hands. They are. I think it's so important for people to realize that we're important in the life of our children, but boy, when we put them in the hands of God and we put our lives, this is one of the things I'm trying to get all of our viewers to realize that if we will give God the soft clay, and your, your heart's so tender, I can tell. I mean, you just, you're a sweetheart. And uh, you might be writing about heart, but you're a sweetheart. You're, you're a tender heart. You're a caring heart. And God is just pouring himself all over you. And all of our viewers will join just like pastors and others we talked to as we visited over a meal. We're praying for you to have healing and, mm-hmm. and you know you are too. Yes. But you're trusting him totally mm-hmm. and he's so yeah. real to you. He is real. The whole journey has made him even bigger and, and greater than ever, right? He's better. He's <laughs> better than anything this life can offer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
We want everyone to know him. And you know what? He didn't just save us to get us to heaven. He wanted to put heaven in us so people could see his glory mm -hmm. and see who he is and be drawn to him and be changed. Mm -hmm. The way you're being changed. Well, this little kid that didn't have any parents, but he had life. Yeah. And that his life, this kid without a mom and dad, with that father influenced his life, impacted your life. It did. And God used the suffering of John's, John Mark's life for good. Mm -hmm not only in his life, for good in my life. And how he handled it. Yes. Yeah. Well, this is what the book's about. You want to help people know how to have the heart of God and the heart he wants us to have shaped in us, right? Mm -hmm. I do. And uh, do you appreciate this wonderful testimony and this sweetheart of a, a mom and precious homemaker? My heart, it's uh, in the bookstores. Uh, every beat surrendered to our unchanging God. Father, thank you for Julie. Bless people with this story. And to you be the glory in Jesus' name. Julie, our viewers are remarkable. They are cheerful givers. And you know what they give? What do they give? Our viewers give <laughs> life. They give love and they give life all over the world to people who just need water or food of all things. And you know, I, I pray that when Betty and I are sitting here talking to you, that you'll understand how much we love you, how much God loves you, and the joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it gives the Lord joy when you release his love to people. You freely release his grace, his love, his compassion. And our mission outreaches are the most clear an expression of the love of God, I think, as there is anywhere in the world. And most people think that. And it's changing lives, saving lives by the thousands, the millions, actually, and winning people to Christ because when they see the love of God, they're captivated by it. And you're the ones that enable the missionaries to not only have a heart full of love, but to have the wherewithal to meet needs that are so critical. I want you to watch, but I want you to watch very prayerfully and just say, God, what can I do about what I see that is of eternal significance? Watch it very carefully and prayerfully. Life is precious. It's also fragile. The early years of a child's life are a crucial stage of development. Their muscles are forming, their brains are developing, and their tiny bones are growing and fusing together. Malnutrition and a lack of food are a serious threat to this development and children often lose their lives to this silent killer. Our teams have identified areas of critical need in South Sudan and Angola. Through no fault of their own, children in these areas were born into poverty, famine, and war. They have no safety net, and they desperately need our help more than ever. While this situation is grim, it's not hopeless. 
Mission Feeding's goal is to provide children like these with a daily bowl of food. It's a proven solution. It's an answer to these mothers' prayers. And it's yours to give. When I saw the need 25 years ago, up close and personal, and I saw the love of the missionaries who brought their little children with them and moved into what we would consider the belly of hell, the pit of hell. And they went there with so much love, but they needed help. It's like when the lead missionary heard me say, well, Betty and I could stay here and help. And the missionary said very forcefully, please don't stay here. Please go back home and get help so we can stay here and not be empty-handed. Please go back and help us. And Betty, when we came back, I didn't have any idea if people would help. I knew if you had a mission conference at the church or you had a prayer meeting at the church, that's the thing the fewest people attended. Hardly any ever went. So when we came back and asked you if you would help, Betty and I signed on to help. And I mean, we started right away. And the ministry agreed. And we sold some assets to just get money to start because we didn't know if you'd help. But God's love began to flow through the viewers of life today. And I mean, let me just, let me just talk to you as personally as I can. We began to see the love of God flow freely through viewers who watch the program. And they began to tell us, when you show us a legitimate need and an effective way to meet it, we rejoice. And we found people all over the world saying, show us an opportunity to be the miracle in someone's life, in that situation, to be the strength to missionaries full of the love of God, and we'll do it. And you've done it. And to God be the glory. And then you helped us drill water wells, helped us rescue people from the sexual trafficking, and you helped us provide life centers, homes, orphanages for children all over the world. You've been amazing. Right now in South Sudan, and it's been in the news continually, it is critical. And they're starving. Their children are dying. Many of them are being maimed and attacked because they're hated. But the answer is the love of God. And I'm telling you, those people are so receptive. In Angola and other parts of Africa, we've got 400,000 children right now that we have located that are in desperate need of our help. If you would simply reach out today and say, I'm going to help you feed those children. For $30, $50, or $100, we can feed three, five, or 10 children for the next months. And I'll always say, if there's any way that you could give $100 and help us feed 10, please do it, please. If you give $1,000 and help us feed 100, that'd be wonderful, do it. We're asking many of you, when we get the things stabilized in an area, we start feeding at schools. So we feed their little minds. And $1,400 will feed a whole school, it's amazing. There is a level at which you can help. We have some gifts we want to send you to build your life spiritually, your devotional life, to bless you and inspire you. But we're asking you right now to reach out and touch someone with love. Would you go and get your bank card? Would you actually move to do it and say, I'm going to be the miracle in those children's lives? Would you get your bank card, go online, make the gift God puts on your heart, please, or call the number and make the gift. If you want to write a check, make it to life but please call us and tell us what you're sending. We need to notify the missionaries. You're going to have the resources. You planted your life there. You're not going to be there empty-handed. Please, right now, would you do it? Thank you for making that move. Thank you for becoming 
someone's miracle. In impoverished and even now famine-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great, and without food, they face death by starvation. Life's Mission Feeding Program is ready. With your support, we're able to feed and care for children in famine areas of Sudan, as well as Angola and Mozambique. With all of our previous reserves gone and mission feeding facing the worst drought and food shortage in years, we urgently need to replenish our food supplies to reach 400,000 children counting on us. Your life-saving gift of 30, 50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Please also consider a special gift of $1,400 to help sponsor a school and help feed 140 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you my Daily Word devotional. This box set of four seasonal devotionals will help you read, reflect, and renew yourself through God's Word with space to journal your thoughts and reflect each day. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll also receive Carrie Job's newest music project, The Garden, along with the Story Behind the Garden companion DVD. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more, be sure to request Determined Eagle, our 2017 commemorative bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or go online today and make your gift of life to help feed and care for hungry children. You know, Betty, you look at this long line, and boy, it goes all the way back to the big four-wheel drive truck. You started praying years ago that God would make the line to feed the children longer than the line to be fed. I think God's answered your prayer. He is, James, but at the same time, the line gets longer. And so we need to help our line to reach them continue to grow and you to re reach out more because I know you're blessed as you see these children being fed here. Let's don't let it stop. Let's keep soup in the barrel so they can come and line up and get fed. You know, we're so excited to send you the incredible Daily Word devotional seasonal. I mean, they're by sea. It's just great. It's going to put you in the Word every day. And then Carrie Job, she grew up with us. Uh, she was a little girl, about 10 years old, who danced at Robin's wedding when our daughter got married, the one who is in heaven with the Lord right now. But little Carrie was one of our friends. Her dad worked with our ministry for many years. And she's prepared a beautiful CD. It's, it's, it's out now. And then the garden is a DVD telling how all of it came to pass. It's beautiful. One of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. We're sending that to say thanks. The Determined Eagle, if you can help us feed kids in a school, please do it. And uh, you're going to love this beautiful bronze. If you'd like to have Julie's book, My Heart, my goodness, what an inspiration. And you just help us give some kids food, we'll be glad to send it to you too. You just ask for it, all right? Would you join Betty and me saying thanks to Julie for blessing us? Julie, thank you. Thank you for your sweetheart. And we just pray God bless you through you continually. Thank all of you. Thanks for watching life today and thanks for sharing life every day.
Next week, Guy Penrod. In the valley of the shadow of death, you reign. Hallelujah. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.